This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And you say, no, what you see going on with these believers right now, this is a sign that we are in the last days. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. In today's teaching with Pastor David, we'll hear more about the gospel account of the birth of Jesus in the book of Luke. Charles Wesley understood that this message wasn't just about a baby being born, but that the newborn king had come in order that God and sinners could be reconciled. What a phenomenal message to the world given to us in song. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. The message of the gospel right in a song. Let's join Pastor David in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 19, with his continuing study entitled, Songs of the Season. There was this anticipation that had been built into the people at that point in time, that at any time the Christ would appear. And again, women desiring that their child would be the Christ, uh, that anticipation that was there. And now these shepherds come. Not only is there an excitement in their lives, but their proclamation of an angelic declaration, as well as the fact, no, we went and saw him face to face. We saw him ourselves. We saw him with our own eyes. We spoke to his mother. This thing is real. So the validation of it all, I believe that they marveled at that. But verse 19 says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I'm sure Mary is still trying to figure out what's going on. What's she going to do with this child? How is she going to raise it? You that are moms, you know that when that little baby comes, especially that first one, they don't come with instructions. And so you're wondering, what in the world am I going to do? Now put on top of that, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Okay, I don't even know how to change diapers, and now you're giving me the Messiah to deal with too. I believe for Mary, there's a lot of things that she was having to ponder in her heart to kind of work through during this time. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The other neat point about verse 20 is, you know what? They got back into the work. They got back into what they were supposed to be doing, but their lives continued to glorify And praise God. When God moves and works in our lives to continue doing what he's called us to do, be faithful in that and praising and glorifying God in that. Well, not only did these shepherds come with haste, they made widely known the sayings which were told them concerning the child. The message they proclaimed was a powerful one. We almost miss if we don't slow down, read and listen and understand all that's being said in the midst of that. Charles Wesley got it. He understood that the message wasn't just about a baby being born. Neither was it so much about peace coming on earth. As Wesley put it in that first verse, the newborn king had come in in order that God and sinners might be reconciled. God and sinners 
reconciled. What an awesome message and declaration that is. You see, it wasn't simply the message of of peace on earth. It was a message of eternal peace on earth and in heaven because God and sinners can now be reconciled. John tells us so clearly in his gospel account in John 3, verse 17. He says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Because the fact is, we were condemned already. The good news is, the peace is, is that God and man are going to be reconciled because Christ came into the world to save mankind. The guilt was already ours. The stain of sin already covered our souls. We had been separated from God because of that sin. But once Christ came, there was the opportunity now that God had given us through Christ in order that we might be reconciled. And when I see that phrase in Wesley's hymn, I say, man, that's the message of Christmas right there. As powerful it is that God sent His Son... You really don't understand that until you can understand the reason the Son came is in order that God and man might be reconciled. In the second verse of Wesley's hymn, it's kind of interesting. In that second verse, he touched on no less than six different Christian doctrines. Listen to the verse. See if you can pick them out. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark to herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. The first one, Christ the everlasting Lord. The fact that Christ is eternal. The psalmist declared in Psalm 90 verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We saw it as we studied through the book of Revelation. Jesus declared throughout that book of Revelation, remember we went through the Alpha Omega trail. I am Alpha Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He came to us from eternity past, and he continues to dwell in eternity future. The second rich doctrine that I see in this verse is late in time, behold him come. I believe that Wesley is speaking that these are the last days. The late in time doesn't mean that Christ came late for the appointment. Hey, you're supposed to be here at four and now at six o'clock. No, not late in time. No, the fact is that it's late in time and he is now coming. He was coming and his coming actually brought us into the last days. We see that over and over in Scripture. Remember in Acts chapter 2, Peter's message to the people there in Jerusalem. He says that this was spoken of by prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And you say, no, what you see going on with these believers right now, this is a sign that we are in the last days. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. 
Paul in 2 Timothy and as well as Peter in 2 Peter, both of them speak about the fact that right now we are in the last days. Late in time, behold him come. The third factor I see is that he's an offspring of a virgin's womb. Jesus was born of a virgin. Christ was from the seed of woman as declared by God way back in Genesis chapter 3 as he declared to Satan in Genesis 3 beginning verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Not the seed of man as it is naturally and normally, but supernaturally He used the seed of a woman. And everybody said, wait a minute, the the woman doesn't have the seed. But you know what? Supernaturally, God did a work. How he did it, what all he did to make that happen, I don't know. But I do know that in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, he says that it's going to be between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And I believe that God did a supernatural thing there, that a man was not involved. Also, the fact that the sin nature, our sin nature, passes down through Adam, so that all of the sons, oh, and by the way, and the daughters of Adam, have that sin nature. But Christ was a son of God, Mary never having known a man. Thus, even the sin nature was absent from the one who was that perfect sacrifice for our sin. Not only did he not sin by choice, but neither did he have a sin nature. Again, when he declares, offspring of a virgin's womb, speaking of Jesus born of a virgin. The fourth one, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Jesus is part of the Trinity. Whether you believe in the Trinity or not is not the point. The reality is, is there is one, and he is part of one, part of the one. So many have such a problem trying to rectify or figure out within their own brain this triunity of God. And this is something that, again, basically, in our own understanding, we will never fully figure out within our limited mortal understanding. There has to come a point in time of just simply saying, hey, all the facts that I know, I can pull those together, but the math doesn't work, but yet I believe that it's true. There comes a time when you simply have to accept it as the truth of who God is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I love the way that the Westminster Confession puts it. Chapter 2 declares, in dealing with the Trinity, in Westminster Confession, number 1 says, There is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, 
and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin who will by no means clear the guilty. Beloved, that's a powerful declaration of who God is. But on the third part of that second chapter, he says also in the unity of the Godhead, there be three persons of one substance, power and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Spirit eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. The three, one as one. He is the Godhead C. Again, Wesley had it right when he wrote it in his hymn. The fifth thing that I see, again, hail the incarnate deity. What does incarnate mean? It means that he came in human flesh. Isaiah told us that the coming child would be Almighty God, the everlasting Father, and yet he's going to be a child. John told us in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnate deity. Jesus was actually charged with blasphemy. That's why they crucified Him, because He declared over and over that He is God. In John's Gospel record, again, the I am's that Jesus continually declares, uh, again, makes that statement that he and the Father are truly one. Not just one in agreement, but again, one in purpose and in substance. And that's what they came against him for, because of blasphemy. Hail the incarnate deity. The sixth thing that I see is pleased as man with men to dwell Jesus, our Emmanuel. The reality, yes, he is deity come in flesh. We, we just looked at that. But even more, he is God in human flesh dwelling with us. Isaiah told us again of the coming one in, in Isaiah chapter 7. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what, church? Emmanuel. What does that word mean? God with us. The angel appeared to Joseph, you remember, and he declared to him the dual names of the coming one. In Matthew chapter 1, we read where the angel says, and she, speaking to Mary, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, was the first one. And why was his name Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sin. And then a little bit later in the conversation, he reminds him of the prophecy. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. And then the angel translates it for us, which is translated God with us. I wonder how many of those that sing this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, really understand the depth of doctrine that they're proclaiming. You know, as I was looking for some information on here, I saw a link that took me to the, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir singing this song. And I thought, you have no clue what you are singing. And yet you are declaring God's truth even as you're singing these words. 
We hear it in, in the shopping malls. We, we hear it on the radio. We hear it all over. These words that are so rich and so deep with the doctrine of our faith, speaking of the reality and the truth of the biblical standards that you and I call and declare ourselves as true believers. And this song, man, just so much in there. In the third stanza of Charles Wesley's Christmas Carol, we see again here the humility of Christ. Just the humility of the Savior. Listen to what it says. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. As powerful a declaration that uh, that is of Him being the, the heaven-born. And that doesn't mean that He was born in heaven. That means that, again, from heaven He came. And so... Wesley, first of all, lifts him up, again, the Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness, the one who brings light and life to all, the one who is risen with healing in his wings. And then he brings him into that humility. He says, mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. The Apostle Paul adamant about the fact that Jesus humbled himself as he took upon himself human flesh, as God became incarnate, as God took on mortality. In Philippians 2, Paul writes these words. He says, speaking to believers just like you and I, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, let this mind of humility This mind of, again, honoring others and caring for others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Taking the form of a bondservant. We spoke Sunday of, How strange it would be if the Queen of England arrived at our house in a 73 Chevy Vega, you remember, in blue jeans and a sweatshirt, old ratty sweatshirt. How odd that would be. But how odd it is that God took upon himself human flesh, humbled himself. He came not just as one of us. He came as a servant to all of us purposefully coming to serve even to the point of dying on the cross for us. God could have came and says, I am God. Here I am, visible. Adore me, worship me, look at me. That's not how he came. He came humbly, taking upon himself that humble flesh, born in that stable, Grew up in a a no-name town. As a matter of fact, what good can come from Nazareth, right? That's where he was raised up. Even as he ministered, he didn't look to build an earthly kingdom at all. As a matter of fact, he told Pilate, he says, you know what? If I'd come to build an earthly kingdom, right now my followers would be fighting. But that's not what I'm about. I'm building a, a heavenly kingdom. And so he came in that humility, coming in the likeness of men. And even then, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself even further 
and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. How low does God have to go before we see the greatness of his love for us? That we would worship him and honor him and give him glory in our lives. God took upon himself human flesh, came as a servant, came as an obedient servant, all the way down and humbled himself even to the point of death, death on the cross. But you know what? He didn't stay dead. Amen? Amen. He was buried and resurrected that third day, and then he ascended to the Father. So the one who took upon himself human flesh conquered death. The one who took upon himself human flesh conquered sin, defeated sin. The one who took upon himself human flesh made payment for you and I and for the whosoever's of the world that would call upon his name. And so then we can rejoice as the shepherds even rejoice that evening when they sang, Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to that newborn king. The peace of God that those angels were speaking about doesn't come to all men, though. God didn't suddenly wipe a a wand over the world and say, I bring you peace. We can look at the news today. In fact, uh, Tot and I were drinking coffee and listening, getting ready to listen to the news this morning. And she says, you know what? Sometimes I get so tired of listening to the news. I said, yeah. You know, I think the news report we had just heard, there was, um, and not to bring you down, but there was murder. There was uh, an attack on someone. There was uh, the racial battle and the imbalance that's going on in this country right now that's just, again, dividing our country once again, the the stuff going on with immigration, all kinds of just mayhem in the world, not to mention all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East. And you think, man, there is no peace in this world. Let me ask you something. You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, do you know the prince of peace and in knowing him do you have and do you find peace in your life in the midst of your storms because that's really what it's about that personal peace that we can speak even as a a job spoke hey though he slay me yet shall i serve him that's a man who is satisfied in god he was at peace with god I mean, we can press and we can push. And every time we press, every time we push, every time we strive, every time we reach, suddenly our our lives get out of peace. We're no longer in peace. We've moved beyond peace. We're in the striving. We're in the struggling. We're in that reaching mode. Rather than saying, you know what? As Paul said, I've determined in whatever state I am, therein to be content. It's apparent he never lived in Missouri, but whatever state that he did live in, no, whatever condition he found himself to be in. And and he goes on to say, hey, whether I'm abounding or abased, whether I'm free or in prison, you know, know, whatever, whatever situation, I've determined to be content. That's the peace of God. That's the peace on earth that the Prince of Peace brings. The one who is Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I pray during this season that in the midst of all the craziness, 
you enjoy this season, that you just enjoy it. I think that Christians ought to party during Christmas celebration. I think that they ought to celebrate the fact that, hey, you know what? God loves us so much. He sent his son to us. And let's just celebrate that reality. But in the midst of that celebration, remember who and why you are celebrating. Because again, he is worth celebrating. Amen? Amen. On behalf of Pastor David Landry and the entire production team here at The Open Word, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This has been a special edition of The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to TheOpenWord.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. And again, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.